Hi, this is Nancy Herald, and welcome to my show, High Road to Humanity. In every episode, I tell you powerful true stories filled with great wisdom that you can use in your own life as you strive for a higher road to travel. My featured guests will have their own unique stories to tell that enlighten your mind and your soul. So kick back, relax, and learn the secret to success when you take the high road. Hi, this is Nancy Yerald, and welcome to High Road to Humanity. I have Dr. Scott Taylor here today, and I'm very excited he's here. And welcome, Scott, to High Road to Humanity. Hey, Nancy, I've been looking forward to this, so I'm so glad you invited me on the show. Well, I'm glad you're here. You guys sit back and relax. Let me give you a little information about Dr. Scott Taylor. He is the president of the Expanded Awareness Institute. It's EAI. And it helps people interested in near death and shared death experiences explore what that experience means to them and to our culture as a whole. So this is going to be really interesting, you guys. His gift is the ability to make the exploration of the non-physical universe accessible to the curious. And I'm a curious one, and I know you guys are too, so it's going to be fun. He is an expert in the use of binary beat technology, which I don't know what that is, so we're going to find out today. And that's to achieve, he says, and to hold expanded states of consciousness. So... Scott's gift is the ability to make um, the exploration of the non-physical universe accessible to us. And so we're super glad he's here. Scott, what is your story? Like, when did you have a near-death experience? How old were you? Hi there. Um, <laughs> uh, technically, it's a shared death experience. It took place in my uh, oh. late 20s. And... Uh, I was in love with a woman. Her name was Mary mm -hmm. Frances Randall. Okay. And Mary Fran and her son, Nolan, who had just turned seven, uh, were coming back from a, a beautiful day of sailing on uh, Lake Washington in southern Minnesota. Okay. And on their way home, they were involved in this horrific car accident. Oh, man. And Mary Fran was killed outright. And Nolan sustained a mortal head wound, and it took him six days to make his transition. That becomes important because Mary Fran was um, one of nine kids, and Nolan was the eldest grandchild in the family. And so this whole family wanted to come and be with Nolan, hold vigil with him, and, you know, in general, support nolan and support each other mm -hmm. well because there were so many in, in mary fran's family i mean think of it we got um brothers and sisters which meant there's boyfriends and girlfriends and spouses and uncles and aunts and grandparents mm -hmm. and neighbors and friends there were a lot of people at um mayo in in rochester where they received their care so many that we decided that it was crazy because he was in a little hospital room. And so we said, okay, here we go. We're going to have two of us go in every two hours and just be with him. Okay. And uh, the nurse on the floor had been really quite clear that um, Nolan was in a coma. He never did come out of the coma. Um, but uh, she said, you know, hearing is the last sense to go. 
So when you're really? in, so when you're in visiting with Nolan, there's a very good chance that he can hear you, but not being able to respond. Oh my goodness. Okay. So, um, my shift was from 3 a.m. to 5 a.m. on the morning of the sixth day. And I was paired up with uh, Jannie, which is Mary Fran's oldest sister. And, you know, we went into the room at the appointed time and we had with us his favorite storybook. So we read him stories. Um, we told him about what was going on with all of the people who, who had come to visit him so he knew. And in particular, <laughs> it, was, it was great because that evening, um, the brothers had gone throughout the Mayo's healthcare system and swiped all the cushions off the couches so that they could put them on the floor of the waiting room and be comfortable while they were, you know, taking a nap. So oh, that's funny. Yeah. And, and so, you know, we could tell, tell him stories like that. How old was he? Can I ask that? Seven. seven. He just turned seven. Okay. And so it gets to be about quarter to five and Jannie, who is a nurse trained in trauma care, uh, goes to the end of the bed, picks up his chart and is reading it. And then is taking a look at all the monitors that are surrounding the bed. Mm -hmm. And she just, she gave me that look, you know, yeah. and held out her hand and said, Scott, it's, it's time for us to say goodbye. Mm. And so we, pulled up a couple chairs next to Nolan's head and we told him that we were so proud of him that he had fought so hard for six days to try to, to try to be with us and that, and that we loved him dearly. And if his mother should come, remembering that she died six days before at the right. scene of the accident, mm -hmm. um, that if his mother should come and pick him up and say that he should go with her, that that would be the right thing to do. Oh, nice. That if Mary Fran came and asked Nolan to go with her, he should do that. Mm -hmm. And by the time we got done doing this, it's now five o'clock in the morning. The next shift is coming in and Janie and I, left and we went to try to find a couple of empty cushions on the floor to kind of rest up. Well, it wasn't, you know, 45 minutes later, Nancy, that we um, were disturbed by the nurse on the floor. She came into the room and said, uh, it's, it's time. He's, um, his vital signs are starting to go down and it shouldn't be much longer. So, you know, it's time to go in and, and, and be with him and say goodbye. Okay. So we did. And, you know, I don't know, there's 40 of us, 50 of us or something. It was wow, that's a lot. That's a lot. That's what I'm saying. And <gasps> so as it turns out, I was one of the last people in line and one of the last people to get into the room. And it was already four or five deep around the bed when I got there. So I went, well, that's, that's nutty. So I just decided to sit on the windowsill, you know, next to Willie, who was uh, Mary Fran's youngest brother. And you know, I don't know if you or any of your the people watching the show have have done this, but in Nolan's case, 
that um, that progression was really slow. I mean, all there really was to do in the room was to sit there, you know, and then watch the Mm -hmm. you know, the monitor, the monitor. Mm -hmm. um, and it, you know, slowly decreased and decreased. And then finally, it just flatlined. And when Nolan flatlined, what I experienced was Mary Fran coming across the veil and scooping her son out of his oh. physical body. Oh. And the two of them had this exquisite reunion. And it surprised me because I was able to feel, I was able to participate in what was going on between the two of them. Did you see her physically? Yes and no. Um, it was more of a um, an energy signature than it was a visual signature. Okay. Um, I say this because my dad passed and I was in the living room and he was in another state and I looked up and I saw him. Yeah. But it wasn't like, and so I think it's like what I did. I saw, I saw him standing there and he waved at me, but it wasn't like he was there. It was like yeah. a vision. Is that what you saw too? Like a vision kind of? Nope. No. Okay. So in near death experiences and now in shared death experiences, what we know is that there's three different kinds of light okay. that people encounter. Okay. And um, my the particular thing that happened to me was that I had a clear light experience, and it's and so it's all um, it's all about energy. Well, yes. And and there was absolutely no question what was going on, yeah. even though it didn't register with my my physical eyes okay it, it registered in another place i gotcha okay and okay. so mary fran comes and scoops nolan up out of his physical body right i participate in that and then what surprised me even more was that the two of them then turned and came over to me and embraced me and then oh. the three of us left and went to the light you went with them. I went with them. And it was extraordinary. I mean, this, I found myself in this, this place of extraordinary love and compassion and um, where everything was connected to everything else. And it was, um, well, it's beyond description. It's just so wonderful. And I knew that, but you know, my whole attention is on Mary, Fran, and Nolan because okay. because the three of us then had a chance to be together. Oh, we had a chance to affirm our love and affection for each other, uh -huh. and you know that's important because Mary, Fran, and Nolan were in a you know in the car accident, and I was at work, so we you know we weren't in the same place. Mm -hmm. um, we had a chance then to say a proper goodbye, if mm -hmm. such a thing in that circumstance. Mm -hmm. And we had a chance then also just, just to be together. And at some point it felt complete where, 
you know, it wasn't like, oh, I got to go now or anything. It was just like, oh, we've done what we need to do. And, and they turned and Mary Fran took Nolan further into the light. And I came back to my physical body that was sitting on the windowsill next to Brother Willie. Right. So that's like part one of three. I just wonder if Want me to keep going or you oh, want to yeah. Stop? Well, no, and I my question is, my only question is, uh, did anybody realize that you were out of your body? Um no. You know what I mean? But that but that becomes important. So <laughs> okay. I'm gonna circle around to that. Okay. No, keep going. I'm really okay, interested. Okay, so here we go, Nancy. Part two. Okay. So I'm up in the light with Mary Fran and Nolan and we're communicating and a hundred percent of my consciousness is up there in the light. Wow. And a hundred percent of my consciousness is sitting on the windowsill next to Willie with all of the re relatives in the room. Right. And I know this because it was like the ecstasy of the universe was trying to burst out of me. And as a result, my face is just had this joyous expression. I had this huge grin on my face because it was all so wonderful. Mm -hmm. And if anybody had looked at me at that moment, I would have been entirely inappropriate. Right. And so the only thing I could think of to do was to take and cover my face with my hands and just sit there on the on the windowsill until i could regain my composure well that happened when that part of me that was with mary fran and nolan came back to my physical body i mean i didn't really have a word for it then well, mm -hmm. I certainly didn't then i do now I, it's by location I was in two places at the same time. I was in the light with Mary Fran and Nolan. Okay. And I was in the room with all of the other grieving relatives. And okay. it, it wasn't like I was, you know, I was 100% in both places, which mathematically doesn't make any sense, but that's okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you get the idea. I do. So, um, so there, I was able to, um, when that part of me that was in the light came back into my physical body, it took me a moment to, you know, like put myself together again. And then mm -hmm. I could, you know, step off of the windowsill and, and, and hug people and cry on each other's shoulders and lend support and, and, you know, do what you do when somebody who's that precious, um, leaves you. Yeah, but like, didn't you, I got to interrupt you. Weren't you like, hey, you guys, I just went up there and said goodbye and it was really cool and he's fine. And didn't you want to just say that? Or were you afraid to say that or what? Um, <laughs> I would tell you that I couldn't have articulated that at that time. Okay, okay. It, it was, um, it's taking me a long time, like, almost uh, four years to process it, to process that and to come up, you know, uh, I had to have some significant experiences in the non-physical universe to be able to say, oh, that's what happened. Okay. Oh, that's how communication happens in the non-physical world. I mean, let's face it. English is incredibly restrictive. Yeah. It's, it puts boundaries on concepts. It, it has some 
kinds of, um, you know, subtle meanings, but when you're in the non-physical universe and the communication is telepathic, mm -hmm. so much clearer and you know exactly what the other person is feeling. Oh, okay. You're not interpreting it incorrectly. No, I love it. I love this it. This is soul to soul. And right. did you get it? Yeah. And, you know, to try to explain that immediately after it just happened, I yeah. would have been, well, I was, I was absolutely tongue tied. I, I didn't know what happened. And, you know, part of me, this is, this is the part that winds up being really difficult is, you know, when I tell this story, um, I can touch back into that place of, of wonder and love and unity. Mm -hmm. But at the very same time, it's, it's grief. You know, at the moment of my greatest grief, it, I'm in my greatest joy. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's really a complicated um, emotion for me to try to describe how, mm -hmm. how wonderful and awful that was all at the same time. Yeah. Were you religious when this happened to you at all? No. Okay. I mean, you know, I grew up in a mainline Presbyterian church. Okay. See the Celtic cross behind you. Yeah. Um, I'm a Scot, you know. <laughs> I less. I'm too. Are you really? Uh, Clan Innes, <laughs> due east of Inverness. Okay. Oh, my goodness. McConaughey. <laughs> in the Highlands, you know. <laughs> in the Highlands, eh? <laughs> yes. Yes. And Innes married a Monroe, which is the clan due west of Inverness. And in my mind, what happened is that they met at a pub, kiss, kiss, moved to Iowa. No. All right. I got to <laughs> tell you, this is going to blow your mind. This is going to blow your mind. So I was given the family Bible from the 1700s. Yeah. And the earliest entry is the marriage um, from my, I don't know, great, 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 great grandmother in Inverness, Scotland. I love it. <laughs> And that I went to Inverness. Yes, well, I'll tell you the end. I'll tell you really quick. I went to Inverness years ago, it was probably 20 years ago, to try to go back further, to try to find, you know, anything before that time. And I and I think her name was Prudence McConaughey. And um, I couldn't find anything in the records there. They were really nice in Inverness, but I, I couldn't find anything beyond. Isn't that funny? I love it. I've been yeah. there. It's cool. It's a cool place. So you're a Scot and you've spent some time there too. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Well, I have, so go ahead. I should finish my story before we get off. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Finish what you're saying. whiskey and kilts and all that. <laughs> okay. Um, so, so you grew up in the Presbyterian church. And so, no, I was, you know, I went to church with my folks, but it wasn't, you know, a, I wasn't steeped in it. I wasn't, you know, particularly spiritual or had okay. spiritual experiences. It's just, you okay. know, it's what you do as a kid, you know, and it's, um, let's just say I was historically related to the Presbyterian church. How's okay. that? That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> so when this happened and you went up with them, I mean, you weren't totally shocked. You knew that there had to be something beyond this or had you not really considered it? I was totally blown away. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And especially in the way that it happened. And um, that was a really distant concept to me, you know, that we have a soul. Okay. So a soul goes up to heaven and 
and you get a chance to go see them again sometime, some when, you know, it just hmm. crazy. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, it wasn't a central part of my life or anything. Anywho, I'm at the, I'm in the hospital room. I'm now, we've now all um, cried on each other's so shoulders and, you know, we've gone home. So here's part three of the story. Okay. And we have to fast forward 15 years. Oh. I'm, I'm doing my doctoral work at the University of St. Thomas, which is Minnesota's largest private university. Okay. And um, it's in the School of Education and I'm writing my dissertation about people who've had near-death experiences. Well, and I'm trying go to find, figure. <laughs> and I'm trying to find people that I can talk to, to that I can interview. And I'm having a hell of a time because I keep running into HIPAA laws. You know, hospitals won't help me and assisted um, living facilities won't help me and, you know, nursing homes won't help. Anyway, so finally, I just, I started writing people. And one of the things that I did was I wrote to the Randall family and said, you know, the girls in that family had all tended to be in the healthcare professions or the helping professions. And did they know anyone that I could interview? Well, one of the sisters who wants to remain anonymous, so I'll just call her the, the sister, wrote me back and said, um, Scott, I had a near death experience a couple of years ago. Do you want to interview me? Hmm. Absolutely. So we arrange it and um, I record the whole thing. And this is what she told me. Okay. She said that she had um, taken a new medication and was at her parents' home and decided to go upstairs, take a nap. The next thing she knows, she's in this world of gray and out of this gray comes Mary Fran. And Mary Fran, walks right up to her, puts a finger in her chest and says, you've got to go back and you've got to go back now. Oh my goodness. And the sister looks at her and said, well, it's been a long time, Mary Fran. It's nice to see you too. And Mary Fran was having none of it. Oh, know, wow. Had the hands on her hips and she did the finger wag thing and she goes, you got to go back and you got to go back now. Oh my and gosh. it was with such energy and such force that it startled the sister. She wakes up in the physical world, opens her eyes. And when she does, there is an EMT that's above her and he's turning away. And he says to his companion, he said, I've done everything I, I know how to do. I, we we lost her. The companion partner is standing looking down and he sees the sister's eyes open up, you know, and he's going, whoa, we got her. She's back. And, you know, I don't they mean do to laugh, but it's kind of comical. Like, oh, my God, you know, yeah, Sorry. timing is a little close here. Oh, my goodness. So, you know, they do their magic. They get her to the hospital. They get her all fixed up and she's fine and still is fine so that's the that's the end of her story that's crazy and we are i'm packing up my gear and 
I had this thought, which was, sister, when Nolan made his final transition, something really unusual happened to me in that hospital room. I wondered if anything unusual happened to you. And I'm looking at her and her eyes get just big as saucers. So, oh my. So taking that as a yes, I quick turned back on the recording equipment and said, all right, tell you what, you tell me your story first and then I'll tell you my story and then we'll compare notes. This is what she told me. Okay. You see, I, I remember the moment really well, but she said, I was standing bedside and I know that because you were sitting on the windowsill next to our brother, Willie. I said, that's correct. Mm -hmm. And she said, when Nolan flatlined, what she experienced was Mary Fran coming across the veil, scooping Nolan up out of his physical body. And she was able to participate in that reunion. And then to her surprise, the two of them turned to her, embraced her and took her to the light where they were able to communicate for a time. And then she came back to her physical body. Same thing. Nancy, it was the exact same experience that I had. And she used almost exactly the same language that I did. And so for 15 years, I had been wondering, you know, oh did I really gosh. experience that? It was this really real, was I, you know, this is something I made up because I was in such grief. Instant. Crazy. All that doubt was gone in an instant because somebody had just explained exactly how my experience had gone. And now, you know what I'm wondering, right? And the audience is probably wondering too. So did everybody in the room go? Uh, no. Because did you, wasn't that your first thought? Like, I wonder who else went, right? I wonder who else went. But that is, um, it's a, it's a, I understand it's a classic shared death experience with multiple participants. That's, That's kind of the technical language for it. Wow. And um and and we know why it happens now you know why so the next question was well why some people and not others okay right right that's where i was going and so here's what we know about shared death experiences is that um first off there has to be a significant heart connection between you and the person who's making the transition. That makes sense. So, so in this case, it was both Mary Fran and Nolan, but in particular, Nolan. And that's because um, his biological father had disavowed any knowledge of his actions. He did not participate in the family in any way. He didn't support them. He didn't okay. acknowledge them. Okay. And so Mary Fran, chose not to tell Nolan who his biological father was. Okay. And so Nolan's growing up. He's now in the first grade, soon to be in the second grade. And, you know, he wants to have 
a dad like every other first grader has a dad. And so when I entered into the into their life in a significant way, um, you know, we started to have a really nice, nice bond. Cool. And and you know, I already had, you know, this loving bond with Mary Fran. So, you know, I'm kind of really connected to the two of them. And so that's important that there's this heart connection. The second thing that's important is that you're available and receptive. Well, I wasn't doing anything, you know, I'm sitting on the windowsill and I'm watching the heart monitor, you know, so was I in a quasi meditative state? Maybe, Maybe. sure. You know, you know, I wasn't talking to anybody. I wasn't, you know, actively grieving, you know, I was just sitting there waiting. Third ingredient that um, is required is that there's an invitation from the person making the Mm. transition, in this case, it'd be like Nolan, back to the person in the physical world saying, don't you want to come with me? And, And they have a lot easier time adjusting their energy to those of us that are in the physical world and and then that invitation then essentially pulls us into the light. Right. I want to ask you something real quick. It feels like it really helped your grieving process. Well, it certainly changed my grieving process. <laughs> well, that's yeah, because it instead of making it such a horrible thing, it actually was a joyful thing. Which it should be when people go to the light. We have it all backwards, you know. Yeah. And I mean, it was awful because I, I lost the physical presence of well, that's what I'm saying. And all. so you got, you got both these things going on and yes, it was an extraordinary experience so much so that in my head, what I tried to figure, what was going on was if I could be with them in the light. Mm-hmm. And I did it once, I can oh. do it again. Oh. I just have to figure out how. Oh. And so, you know, I've spent the, the next 40 years of my life trying to figure out how to make that happen in a way that is easy and understandable and, you know, and, and have the tools to navigate around in the non physical world. So, yeah, it's taken a while, but I I was able to establish that connection with Mary Fran and Nolan, and that connection exists to this day. Okay, now let's talk about that connection you have today, because I know like when my sister's in the room or if my dad's here or whatever, and I just talk to him, but what kind of connection do you have with them now? Yeah, it's like that, isn't it? It's, mm-hmm. you know, they're in the room and you just know it's them. Mm-hmm. It, there's not a visual thing. I, I call it an energetic signature. Right. Oh, yeah. Nolan, he's right there. And so it's interesting because um, Mary Fran was really present um, right after her transition. And then she went away for a while and mm-hmm. she'd come back and we'd catch up and then she'd go away for a while and I wasn't able to, you know, she kind of moved in and out of my life. Nolan, on the other hand, has never left. 
He is oh. always with me. Really? Always. And I can I can touch base with him any well, he is, he's right there. I can touch base with him anytime. And we have this really extraordinary relationship. Nice. And so for your viewers, what what happens because it's been so long? <laughs> um Nolan and I have a place where we meet. Okay. So all I have to do is picture in my head, it's a it's a park bench, like the kind you'd see in Central Park with kind of the curly iron at the end and it's got wood slats and it's on a gravel path and yeah. there's grass around and trees. It's love it's a lovely place. Yeah. Sunshine, birds, flowers, you know. Great. Anyway, so all I have to do is to picture that bench in my mind. And that is the nonverbal cue for Nolan to meet me there. Okay. So we sit and we have a conversation. And Nolan will present himself to me at different ages. So if he's feeling young and playful, he'll be seven again. If, if he wants to talk about an adult subject, he's 41. Okay, so I'm going to stop you. So yep. when you go to the other side, what you've realized is even though he um, left as, as a seven-year-old, he grew. He grew. On the other side. On the other side. Mm -hmm. And do you ask him what he's doing right now? Oh. Uh, like, what's he up to? Like, what's he been doing? And what's it like for him over there? So, okay. So this is a... So there was one day when we had a meeting. I picture myself on the bench and, and he came. Okay. And he's a young man, late 20s, early 30s. He's dressed in a, a very dark suit. Might have been a black suit, white tie, a white shirt, skinny tie. Mm. He's got that, you know, tie clip that's up too high, you know. So what I got from that was that this was a life that was, that he had, um, he was living a life in the physical right now. And his um and it's taking place in the 50s or the 60s some somewhere in there because that's the way the his clothing looked and he sits down on the bench doesn't say anything except i you know i get that information from him that he has come to me from this other life that he's living currently and um he opens up his briefcase and in the briefcase um, there's a gun. It's a pistol. And he tells me that he is a law enforcement officer. So something like a U.S. Marshal or, you know, something like that. Mm -hmm. And and that um, he has had to kill somebody in the line of duty. Oh, wow. And even though they're trained for that, even though they, you know, tell you what it's going to be like, um, and that it was, you know, necessary for him to do his job and to save his life and the life of others. Um, it was tearing him up inside. Okay. And he wanted to talk about that. 
and he wanted to talk about that with his dad. Oh. And <clears throat> Scott, you're getting all choked up on this one. And it's, you know, it's the kind of a conversation that you really would have with your son mm -hmm. in, in the physical world. Mm -hmm. Only our, our lives are, are still interconnected, but it's outside of time and space. Mm -hmm. And, and that's okay. Um, and it means that he, um, he loves you. Thank you. He loves you. Well, if he's standing right there, I have, now I have more questions. So if he's standing there, does he have a message or can you pick up a message or anything like that for, for humanity? You know, we're, we're down here trying to learn our lessons. <laughs> yeah. He says, said, so whatever Scott's telling you, it's all true. Ah, that's cute. And, and he said, um, that's what's important, um, is for people to, is for, for people to drop their sense of, of what they think is true mm -hmm. and, and begin to embrace possibilities of not only the physical and the non-physical world, but uh, uh, possibilities of what it means to live outside of time and space. And mm -hmm. that, um, that we can really have this connection of one timeline to another mm -hmm. use a to use a phrase mm -hmm. um and because yeah so what he said was that um because what it means is that we can um we can share and be a part of each other's lives um even though that we aren't physically close to each other right Thank you for that. Tell him thank you for that. Yeah, you got it. Okay. <laughs> well, no, and that's true. I will say that I went and did something yesterday. My dad's been gone for a while, but I was like, dad, did you see what I did? It's so funny. You know, sometimes you feel just like a little kid, you don't want to tell your dad, even though he's gone, you know what you did, but he heard me and I know he did. And I know he watches and, and there's comfort in that. There's comfort. Mm -hmm. There is comfort in that. And you know? There's comfort in this relationship you have with him. And what about Mary Frances? Do you still have her around a lot? Um, yes. And like I said, yes and no. Sometimes she goes she, and comes back. She goes and comes back. And, and a lot of it has to do with um, the lessons that I need to learn in the physical. Okay. You know, you need okay. to learn this one without me, Scott. And then, and then we'll come back and talk about it later. I love it. Like, yeah, oh, okay, they can't interfere so much, you know, so you interviewed, you've interviewed a lot of people. How many people have you interviewed now who've had near-death experiences? Uh, I don't know, hundreds and hundreds. Um, okay. Maybe close to a thousand. I don't know. It's a lot. Well, and we don't have a ton of time. My, my clock for some reason is not showing up. So God wants us to just go for it today, I think. Um, so... <laughs> I'm just wondering, um, there's so many people that have had this experience as I was getting preparing for the show and I was writing things down. I actually wrote down um, 
you know, do you think this is part of our life plan when we plan this? Or do you think it's an exit point? Because we all have these exit points. And then I kind of thought to myself, no, it's part of the plan so that we, I kind of answered my own question, but I want to know what you think, so that we learn. Is that what this is? Yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. um, So... You know, growing up a Christian, yeah. Um, this is, I, I call this the um, anyway. Um, I'm you having great faith. No, That's okay. uh, Jesus was betrayed by Judas. Judas, thank you. So mm-hmm. I call it, this is my Judas principle. Okay. Which goes like this. So Jesus is planning his life in the physical world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he says, I can't be Jesus unless somebody betrays me. Which, which of you wants that role? And God, that would suck. (laughs) And it has to be his best friend. It has to be who else would do that. Or somebody else, somebody who loved you so much that they would be willing to um, be Betray misunderstood you. and and be hated by you know a quarter of the world's population for two thousand years. I mean, <laughs> that's some that's some heavy karma. But it has to be somebody who loved Jesus that much in order to enable Jesus to do what he had to do. So I extrapolate that over to Mary, Fran, and Nolan, that we arranged that ahead of time mm-hmm. and that their sacrifice allowed me to grow in ways that I needed to grow and it could only happen that way. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's, you know, it's with a profound sense of gratitude for the gifts that they have given me and at the same time, it's complicated because it's, you know, I had to lose them in the, in the physical world. And to make it even more complicated, mm-hmm. I have a wonderful wife. <laughs> I was going to ask you, I was just going to ask you if you ever married after yeah. this. You did. Yeah, we're coming it's up so on our, cool. we are coming up on our 20th anniversary this summer. Did you have kids? Uh, we we were able to get pregnant once and and it miscarried so okay but you have have, but you do have a son so i i have two stepkids from my first marriage and Anne has two adopted kids from her first marriage so we have we got grand you got a ton you got we're doing fine thank you i love it and being part of um, Anne's family with the nine kids and they were you know, very Catholic, which means they all had a, <laughs> there's a raft of nieces and nephews. I quit counting at 46. So, you know. That's wonderful. That's just, wonderful. Yeah, well, it makes family reunions really fun. I love it. Well, I want a blessing. I'm going to say this is a blessing. And do you look, I bet you look at it like that, don't you? Yeah, it is. It is a blessing. And it has allowed me to meet extraordinary people like you, Nancy. Thank you. Who. You um 
have given so much to me in terms of their perspective and their support. And, you know, here I am doing research in near death and now shared death experiences that I never would have been able to do before. And, you know, I trained with the Monroe Institute and was a facilitator with them for 35 years. That's crazy. And so, you know, I've had a lot of experience of guiding people into the non-physical universe. And I never would have done that if it hadn't been for all yeah. of, you know, yeah. the, you know, what happened on a beautiful summer day. I love it. Well, talk about, before we get out of here, talk about those six best-selling CDs. They're guided meditations. Uh, are those for people who, and this is my question, are they for everybody? Are they for people who've had near-death experiences? Talk to me about that. Yep. So um, these CDs are for people who would like to explore the non-physical universe, but they want to do it kind of in a safe way. Got it. So, so okay. these are guided meditations okay. and they take different components of a near-death experience and we we go and explore those. So case in point, um, there's one CD that's just about meeting your guide. Very helpful fellow to have on the other side is, is guides. And then there's another one on the tunnel. And there's an exercise about the family reunion and about meeting divine beings and a life review and that area of life between lives. So there's, you know, these different segments of near death experiences you can you can explore. And what these CDs do is they change your energy level so that it can most class, sorry, can most easily match the vibration level of what it is that we're doing. So there's an energy that's associated with meeting your guide. It, it exists easily on a particular frequency. And the tunnel exists at a frequency. And the reunion exists on another frequency. And meeting the divine being is on another frequency. And binaural beats happens to be really good. That audio technology, it's really good at raising up our vibratory rate to the rate that um, you can match. And, and it's, it's, it's really easy then to just- It's like a radio. It's like yeah. radio waves, you guys. We got to take you. our frequency up and they can only bring it down so far. So we have to get it up so we can match, so we can connect, right? Yep. That's exactly. We've got to come up. They come down a little bit. Yeah. Bingo, match, and then, and then off you go. Okay. We got to get out of here. Uh, pretty much for today, but how do people find you? How do people connect with you? How do they get your CDs? Thank you for asking. I yes. appreciate that. Yes. Uh, the best place is at my website. It is neardeathmeditations.com, neardeathmeditations.com. And on that website, there are, are my CDs. It's a nice way to put your toe in the water. We have a, a, a two-day workshop where we take you back and forth. And then we have a five and a half day workshop where we make that trip probably 25 times um, into the non-physical universe. And we give you something like 40 different tools so that you can hold that state and then know what to do when you're there. So, you know, how do you navigate in the non-physical universe? It's different than being here in the physical. So yeah, we teach you how to do that. 
You teach us how to go out of our bodies. That's crazy stuff. Okay. You've got a a class, a seven-week course that starts on April the 26th, you guys. If so, if people are interested, is that still going? Oh, yeah. Okay. Big time. It's through the Shift Network. And we meet every every Wednesday at noon Eastern time for two hours. And we march through those very fundamental um, tools and techniques to allow you to head into the non-physical universe. And I got to tell you, I mean, it's counterintuitive, Nancy, but when you sit and talk about death and you talk about near-death experiences and the transition, um, it's just filled with joy and wonder and reunion. It's more fun than one person should have. I'm gonna we have, really have a good time. I was going to say, I'm going to have to have you come back because I have like way more questions here to ask you. And we're we're like been talking for an hour. <laughs> so, yeah, because there's like so much I want to know. So I hope you'll come back and visit me again. I'd but love you, to. We, oh, thank we, you. We had a good time, didn't we? We do have fun. Yes. So you guys, it's Dr. Scott Taylor. If you want to find out more about him. And um, he is the president of Expanded Awareness Institute. It's EAI. Scott, thanks for coming on the show. I truly appreciate it. You're welcome, Nancy. I had a blast. Cool. Awesome. All right, you guys, we're going to get out of here for today. If you want an angel reading, go to my website, nancyyourout.com. Book your date and time. I hope everybody has a fabulous week and God bless.